So welcome to episode number 75 of The Space In Between. And today we're going to be sitting with Angel Deer in just a moment, where he'll share a bit about his journey and how he is sharing how we are all in a ceremony together right now. But before we sit with him, a couple things happening here in Nomadland, which I hope that you can join me and in our tribe. Uh, this week, I wrap up our six-week series of Who Are We Becoming? Uh, classes at 10 a.m. on Tuesday and Thursday. If you want to drop in for my Movement 109 practice, you can go ahead and sign up at the website. But next week, we are going to start a very consistent schedule, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. We'll have something for everyone at 8 a.m. On, on Monday through Fridays, and that starts next week. So Mondays, 8 a.m., we will be hosting... I will be hosting a meditation and a little bit of a talk to set our intentions, bring our energies together for the week over at Facebook and Instagram Lives. And then Tuesday through Friday, we'll be over at Zoom. So Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m., I'll be offering my Movement 109 practice. And Wednesday, we will have Nomad Yoga. So our Nomad teachers, as well as, well as myself, will be alternating who's teaching that that segment and then Fridays we'll be doing another meditation led by myself and nomad teachers Jen and Lori this month so we hope to see you there and on May 31st save the date uh, Erica Forcell and I will be hosting another move into breath this is movement 109 into uh, her offering of breath work that will be Sunday May 31st at 10 a.m. so I look forward to experiencing all of that with you all soon. And now let's go ahead and sit with Angel. All right. So here we are. I am sitting with, in some way, <laughs> with Angel. And I we met uh, just about six months ago or so. I came to one of your breathwork experiences, but I had been connected with you um, years before through a, a mutual friend, Paula V. And through social media, we, we connected and, and now we got to do the global festival together. And I've been to a couple of your breathwork experiences virtually. So, and now we're doing this. So thank now you. Now we are online on both <laughs> sides of our computers. <laughs> I know. So thank you for doing this. Um, welcome. Yeah. So where are you right now? What is your, what's your living situation right now in quarantine? What has that been looking like for you? So I am in my home, uh, which is on the land in the uh, Catskills, so upstate New York, a couple of hours from New York City. Uh, and yeah, my life is, uh, you know, quarantined with myself and with my cats and the animals of the land. Nice. Uh, and I, yes, it hasn't changed much, I would say, you know, I've, I live here, I, you know, spend a lot of time here. I mean, the difference, I usually travel more for retreats and things like that, but Right now, I'm just being here, and spring is a beautiful time to be on the land, you know, and planting and taking care of it. So I'm quite busy with that, I would say, and with the online offering. So, uh, yeah, I, I miss definitely some good hugs and some touch, but uh, that's yeah. just temporary. <laughs> yeah, because your partner, you said um, you're just, we were speaking just a moment ago, you were saying that your partner is um, on the other side of the world. Yes, she's Australian, you know, and uh, we usually live together, but we spend some time apart sometime and, and uh, she was supposed to come here or we're supposed to meet in Peru after and obviously this is not happening. 
Okay. So we have a prayer to meet in June. We say, okay, June, early June, that's when we're going to meet, you know, so that's what we're hoping for. So you're hoping that she'll come back or you'll meet him? Um, yeah, meet that we meet maybe, you know, in Australia or that we meet here in America. So we'll see what's possible. Okay. Uh, yeah, so a lot of your world hasn't changed too much just being on the land, but you were saying just basically like the human connection. I feel the same too. I've been, you know, I spoke with a few others this past couple of weeks in the interviews and, and a lot of people are the opposite of us. They're with families and they're homeschooling their ch children and, you know, just needing that alone time. So you are very familiar with this alone time. And, but for some people there, this is a new experience being alone. So something that maybe you could offer to those people who are alone that no, normally aren't like, what could you offer to them? Because um, you're so familiar with this, like going within. Yes. Well, I think, you know, the, there's definitely a fear of being alone. Uh, something I experienced, you know, uh, 10 years ago when I moved on the land. I was living in New York City. Oh, yeah. uh, I had a very busy job. And, you know, I was, I was all my friends and always in contact with a large group of people. And when I decided to move on the land, I was afraid of uh, loneliness. And I think um, it's hard for human being to be alone, you know, because we're wired for connection, we're wired for interaction. But there's a big difference between loneliness and aloneness. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is an experience in aloneness mainly. And it could be an experience of loneliness if we don't have spirituality, if we don't have a connection to nature and the lands, if we don't have some practices that basically make us still belong to something greater, to others. You know, I don't feel alone when I'm in the forest mm -hmm. uh, or lonely in any ways. I feel in the presence of the trees. So I think we can even at some point not feel that aloneness. There's always something there present. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it doesn't replace human contacts. I think we need that and they are very important uh, in our, for our nervous system, for physical body, for emotions. Um, but definitely for me, it goes through, you know, having, make, making sure I have a daily practice, making sure I have rituals uh, that my life, you know, has some things that are regular and I can count on because even when the world collapses, for me and for many, there is still things that are still there yeah. and that I can connect to. And that's the most important, you know, either it's your prayer, your yoga, your meditation, your work in nature, your gardening, your cooking, your singing, your drumming, your dancing. I mean, there's many things we can still do, uh, even if we can travel, even if we can go to work, even if we cannot get out of the house. Yeah. So it sounds like, how long have you been there? How long have you been on the land? Um, it's been eight years now. Eight years. So it almost feels like eight years has been preparing you for this time. <laughs> and a lot of Yes. Work. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's where we're going back. Not saying that we're going back into quarantine our whole life, but I think we need yeah. to go back into community, like true community, smaller groups of people that we can rely on, that we count on, that are around us sharing our wisdom, sharing our skills, you know, and the earth is calling us back right now very clearly. She's asking us to pay attention and to see, you know, where we have disconnected because we might feel connected when we're in New York City. 
yeah. but we may be very alone. You yeah. know, we might feel very lonely. How much connection do we really have? And I think right now we can see that. Okay, what is really the type of connection I want to nurture in my life? You know, and how do I do that? You know, it doesn't have to be living on the land, you know, but I think it's a big part of it to reconnect, to belong again into something greater. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, we have similar stories in that. I also lived in New York City too. Um, so I'm curious, can we go back to that period of your life? Yeah. <laughs> what, did that, what did that look like? I don't like? want to go back, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> story. We won't physically go back. <laughs> but what, what, um, what called you here? What was your life like then? And what called you to leave that life then? Well, that was for sure a calling into what I'm doing now. That was not uh, clear about what that calling was, but there was definitely a deep sense in me that uh, I wanted to grow my food. I wanted to have bees. I wanted to have space around me. You know, I wanted to connect to a land. Um, and so that was this calling. And as there was also a lot of, um, an happiness in the system uh, that most of us belong to, you know, or at least entertain or support, uh, that is very capitalistic, that is very separating, uh, that is very about who gets more than someone else. And I think there was this pain inside of me uh, that came out in different ways, but like literally was telling me, yes, maybe you're successful with your job, but you're not successful with your life, like the core of your life. And I could see that. I could really feel that in my body. What were you, what were you doing then? In, in I was a CEO of my last job for one of my company that I started, an internet company. Okay. So, yeah, you really took such a big, big leap. <laughs> yes. You weren't on this path. You weren't on this completely spiritual path that you're on. Definitely, because I had 200, almost 200 employees, you know, so it was a very different place. Yeah. And so you were, so you were kind of the CEO of this organization and then you were feeling that there was still something missing. Yeah, because it was funny, you know, because everywhere I look around, everything would tell me that I'm successful and I should be happy. Yeah. At the money and at the success and, you know, at friends and at a partner and just everything looked that I ticked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. But there was something deeper. Maybe it was an early midlife crisis, you know, whatever we call it. But there was definitely a turning that needed to happen in my life because I didn't want that type of life to be how I'm going to end my life. Yeah. I didn't want 30 more years of that type of life. Yeah. And for sure, I think I was also seeing the inequality and the problem that are inherent to that system. And that, you know, it was definitely, uh, I was definitely having a privileged life, you know, uh, and I'm still feeling very privileged in many ways compared to many. Uh, but I could see there was a lot of suffering in the system mm -hmm. and that somehow I was part of it. I was part of creating it. Like mm -hmm. if I didn't change anything myself, the world was not going to change. You know, we all need somehow to make some changes here. Yeah. Uh, and I felt really called into, okay, what does that look like for me? 
What is the answer for me? It's different for everybody. But for me, that was this coming back onto the land, coming back to old native practices or nature-based practices, uh, shamanism and all the things like that. Yeah. How did you, how did you find that, that path? You felt like it sounded like you felt like there was some sort of void and you felt a calling, but then what was the first step into that world? I think it found me more than I found it. You know, yeah. it was really loud uh, calling me into now. And then it became a pushing me into uh, from putting me into, uh, <laughs> But I think definitely uh, it was my connection to plant medicine uh, that really started it. Uh, I think, you know, 15 years ago at my first plant medicine ceremony uh, with people in, uh, you know, Amazon tradition of ayahuasca. And I went to ceremonies and then things started shifted. I mean, it took me many more years to really change my life. But I think that was the beginning into really experiencing something that was quite magical, uh, sometimes quite difficult too, but that really held so much meaning. Like I felt like there was here, there was a meaning that I was looking for. Yeah. When you just said that, I'm, I'm thinking of now what, mo- what we're all going through collectively and how, like I said, you were almost preparing yourself in some way or universe was preparing you for this so that you could be one of the guides, right? For, for us right now. But um, you spoke about the difficulty, right? Um, Mm. What, I'm just thinking like for somebody who's listening to this, who also has felt that calling, that yearning, like sitting in this still space of stillness, or maybe even being busier than ever because they have numerous Zoom calls after Zoom calls for still working, but they know they're saying to themselves, there is, I don't want to go back to that old normal life because you know, they're, they're understanding what you saw, you know, 15 years ago or eight years ago, um, yeah. that difficulty, can you speak to that a little bit about like what that difficulty is, but also understanding you can't go back. Like you have to go keep moving forward. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, I think, um, one of the thing that became clear as I was entering that path and entering that, those ways of life, those ways of, you know, relating, belonging, praying, healing, uh, is that really the sense of inner fulfillment, the sense of inner power really come not from just the self, but the sense of service to the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I experienced that, in fact, earlier before, you know, I really move on the land or before I embrace that path, I started doing a lot of volunteering work and felt very fulfilling it. I felt like I was getting a lot from it, uh, despite it was all about the others. And very early, I started to realize that when we are in service of something greater than ourselves, some profound healing can happen for ourselves and for the collective and i could see that there was not that kind of life happening if i would stay on that path so there was a lot of fear about money there was a lot of fear about leaving a system that i've known for 20 plus years which was you know my my different jobs and companies there was a lot of fears about disconnection what if you know I feel very lonely, you know, and separated. 
And also there's a massive fear of the unknown, I think, which is one of the biggest one, which is we need to jump into something we don't know yet. Because we don't know what our life is going to look like. And the mind is very protective against the unknown. The mind really loves the place of belonging into what it knows, even if what it knows creates suffering. But at least we know where we are. We know that a relationship is not good, but at least we are with someone. We know we don't really enjoy our job, but, you know, we have a salary. We know we don't maybe like to live in a very tiny apartment in New York City, you know, but at least we are with the others and we are in New York City and it's fun. So the mind always gives us reasons for not changing. But the heart calling and the aspiration to something greater, the aspiration to a different type of life, at some point becomes stronger. And I think give us the stamina to make the changes. But that's a long process. You know, it's not an overnight and we go to a, a plant medicine ceremony or we go to a workshop or we read a self-transformation book and we're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. We need to be ready in a sense that we need to be ready to let go of what is and jumping into the unknown and for me that doesn't go without a deepening of our connection to god or the creator or something greater than ourselves, something that is beyond maybe what's visible from our eyes because that's really the rope in the night in the darkness Mm -hmm. we need some kind of voice outside of this chatterbox in our head that's going to allow us to find some guidance, some wisdom, some sense of self still within the dissolution of the self. And where is that going? You know, how am I going to go about it? And because it's so new, we need to rely on external source of wisdom, which is God, the spirits, however we call it, which are not already external. You know, they are internal. They are in our hearts. They are in who we are. But yeah, we need to start relying on a system of support that's very different from what we learn at school or with our parents or in our culture. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it's so interesting that we're all in this together in that, in that space right now. This is, as I told you before, this is the space in between this podcast, but we are yes. we're all being called in that space right now of the unknown. And it's well, this is a ceremony. Yeah. We're all sitting in ceremony. You know, this is a big ceremony. We are all having the same medicine right now, yeah. uh, which is the pandemic and the economical collapse and the change of values and all of that. And like in ceremony, the question is always, how do I hold my space here? Mm-hmm. Uh, which for me is always, what is God asking of me in that moment? How can I be of best for myself and for the others in that moment. So yeah, we are, we are definitely in that big ceremony all together, you know, and we are all different and that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I hadn't put it into those words, but I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about how we are all experiencing something so similar, right. Um, across the world, but there are all of these very individual you know, I would be using the word triggers, like all of this past traumas or past beliefs that are all kind of bubbling up individually. And it looks very different. Like, even though we have a very similar experience being in isolation in terms of being physically alone without human connection, we both have very different 
experiences of that, right? Yes, very much. Because I think, you know, like, like in any moments where we sit in ceremony and it can be just a silent retreat or sitting with ourselves or sitting with plant medicine, whatever it is, it's obviously light work, meaning we we were working towards our self-transformation, but it's a time for the shadows to rise. It's yeah. a time where we see what's in the way of that transformation. And the world right now is in a deep healing process. And so all the shadows of all the prayers are present. Yeah. Anger, confusion, separation, all of the shadows. You know, so we can access gratitude, uh, clarity, unity. But we're not in unity, we're in separation. So we can reach that. We're not in clarity yet. We're very much in confusion. Yeah. We are very much into separation. And even, you know, uh, sometimes in people with beautiful spiritual practices, you know, and even for me. So it's a time where I can look within deeply and say, okay, what is in the way of still creating separation within and without? Yeah. And have the beautiful opportunity to, to do that. And the amazing thing is that I know I can talk to anyone in a year uh, from now, anywhere on the planet, and that person went to that ceremony. How amazing is that? Any human being I'm going to meet in the future has been going through that 2020 ceremony. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, kind of amazing in many ways. And finally, I think realizing that we are very privileged because many people don't have the opportunity to really go through that ceremony in the best way because of financial circumstances, because of, you know, their separation already with the world because of their color, their culture, you know, where they are from. And right now we can see in the ceremony people that already came in with more stuff, with more pain, uh, with less health, I will see the more problems and the more challenges in that ceremony. And so we're already called into opening our heart to that and focusing our energy into that more than keep separating and pointing fingers and, you know, just find, trying to find uh, who is responsible out there. We are responsible. We need to be accountable. Each and every one of us have created the system that we are living in right now to yeah. some degree, you know. I agree. How, um, I mean, you are preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> but how, how, do you, how do you feel um, or how do you already communicate with maybe somebody who doesn't quite, see it in that respect who is still pointing the finger and blaming something that's outside of themselves how do you speak to that well you can i think we're always called back into our own prayers and into holding a space of deep compassion because Mm -hmm. we can't change anybody we cannot heal anybody people have their own process and so if i witness someone in anger or someone in that in separation, it's just a reminder that I still have parts of me that are like that. Yeah. Because it means I'm still, I'm still seeing another person. I'm not seeing unity there. I'm not seeing that there is no others, but the ultimate prayer is that there is no others anymore. Yeah. There's nobody else out there. We're just one. You know, all the things I'm witnessing, anger is, I know anger. I've experienced anger. I still experience anger. Uh, confusion. I still experience confusion sometimes. I'm not always 100% in clarity. Uh, separation instead of unity. So it's a reminder for me how hard it is to do that work and that transformation. 
And really, when we see someone that have lost their prayer, that's how I, I call it, mm-hmm. you know, they've lost their prayer, they, yeah. they don't have the right prayer, the right thing to do is to pray for them, is to hold space for them. Yeah. You know, either we believe in anything or not, doesn't matter. We can hold space with love and compassion because ultimately we need to become a loving presence, a loving presence for ourselves and a loving presence for the world. And as long as I point fingers out there, you know, in Native American cultures, they say, well, when you point a finger at someone, you have three fingers that are pointing towards you. Mm. <laughs> I like that. So remember that. Yeah. So, you know, it's always a reminder about where is the work? Where is the transformation going to come from? Where is the medicine? And it's within. Yeah. I love that. So when you were speaking, uh, I was just remembering the post that I just commented on of yours on social media. And it was um, the Venn diagram. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. speak to that a little bit? Because I yes. can hear it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always this, this path is, is very much like, you know, in the Buddhist path, what we call the middle way. It's not one way or the other extreme or one other. It's what's called the red road, you know, in, 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 in native tradition. So it's making sure that we walk in that fine line between both worlds, the world of spirit and the world of humans. And it's very easy for people to dismiss one or the others, either for spiritual people to just completely, oh, it's just spiritual and everything is fine and everything is love. And that is true from the point of view of the creator. So that is true that it is the essence of all of us and everything around us. But the reality is that we are in an incarnated body in a contracted form of creation. And so we experience duality. The experience of it is also part of the human experience. And so we also have this amazing gift of uh, free choice. You know, I can decide what I say, I can decide what I do, and I can decide to be in the light or in the dark. I can be a force of good or a force of suffering. And so the right way or a better way to walk that path is to make sure that we are not only a spiritual being, but also a human being. Not only a human being, but also a spiritual being. And right now we see a lot of separation, you know, and we can all create our silos of sanity just with our crowd that we like, but are we going to create it all together? Because I don't care if you believe in God or not. I don't care if you have a spiritual practice. For me, you're a brother and a sister. Can I love you as much? And I know you have as much purpose as me, even if you're on one side or the other, because there's no two sides. Mm-hmm. It's just one big circle. Remembering we're sitting in a circle all together. And so there's a lot of work to do into that, into making sure first we become accountable of our actions, either we're spiritual or not, doesn't matter. You know, what do we do really? What do I say and how do I act? And is what I do create more separation? Then I'm not on the right path, period. I don't care your spirituality, your religion, or your non-spirituality. I have really good friends that don't have any spiritual practices and that are beautiful human beings. That's their purpose on this earth. Their purpose is also to open my heart to differences. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be really good human beings. And I find with big spiritual practice, which basically spoke a lot about things that create separation right now. 
you know? And so I need to open myself to all those possibilities because they exist within me too. Yeah. And it's, uh, it requires a lot of courage uh, to open our heart to all those parts of us and to all those parts of the world. How do we love a broken world? How do we love our broken self? That's the same thing. It it's the same thing. It's always a mirror. Always a mirror. Yeah, it is. It's, to- it's completely a mirror. So, and that's what I often, I often say to my students too, is whatever you're seeing out here is go deeper within. See, see how you can reflect that back within and then shine yeah. it back out and see if like yeah. constantly go back in and out. So it's beautiful. And I, and I think it's important also to come back into that every human emotions and every expression of it is sacred, yeah. is holy. You know, very often we're at war against fear. We're at war against the dark. We're at war. So we just basically, I'm not saying that we didn't, we didn't choose, we can choose more. We should choose both. We should choose light over dark. We should choose love over su- creating suffering. But my fear, my pain, and my shadow are part of my divine expression. From the point of view of creator, we are all loved in the same way. Mm -hmm. Either you're a Buddha or a person that's creating a lot of suffering. The creator doesn't make any differences. You're all part of creation. There's not one that's a preferred child than the others. And so we need, I think, to start being at peace with the whole range of human expression, the whole range of human emotions, because it's a very dual mind, ego way to see, oh, this is good and this is bad. This is light and this is dark. We need to go beyond that, you know, so we can finally come back into more union. Yeah, so going beyond it in in terms of um, embracing the darkness, not trying to get rid of it, but actually embracing it and knowing what is in there, getting to be familiar with it and being okay to walk into that space and coming out of it too. It's all teachers. It's all the sacred teachers. Yeah. You know, my own shadows are sacred teachers. They teach in a different way than the light teachers, but they're all pointing toward the same direction. They're all pointing toward source, toward yeah. union, towards love, toward a place where there is no more separation. So we need, every time I create separation, say, oh, I don't like that or I don't want that. No, I should say, okay, well, that's interesting. I'm experiencing that shadow or that fear or that pain or that anger or that separation. Interesting. That's always how I put it. How interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be curious about it. Let's be friend with it because then we can work with it. Yeah. You know, it's like, a, it's like someone we don't like in our home. We can scream at it or we can sit with it and start to listen and say, oh, I don't like that. I feel discomfort. Oh, it's interesting. I get triggered by this. What's yeah. triggering me? You know, so always, always inviting possibilities, inviting a more open heart and closing and judging, you know. Yeah. The heart doesn't really do that. The heart is all about bringing everything together. You yeah. know? So always going back into that place. But it's hard. We're human, you know, it's really hard. So we need to do that work with a lot of self-love and self-compassion and a lot of patience, a lot of patience. And and curiosity, as you said. Yeah, curiosity. comes with what you were saying earlier about the difficulty. And if we can be, it will still be difficult, but to have that space for curiosity to just 
Oh, it's here now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the reason we're alive. We came here to heal our soul. We came here to heal this vehicle. Yeah. And so we need to take that as an opportunity for healing and transformation. And that's beautiful when we just sit there. It's kind of relax the body and make life easier. You know, not that life is easy all the time. It just helps it. It just helps making it easier, you know, so we can go through challenges with more heart, with more space inside, with more loving presence, which is really what's lacking a lot right now in the world, you know, in most people. How do I embody that loving presence? And, you know, even for me, sometimes I'm like, oh, what is this? Is this loving presence? Is there is more space for that? How can I do that in a different way, you know? Yeah. Can you speak more to ceremony and um, kind of with what you were saying is where we are right now. Uh, can you maybe share with, with anyone who's listening here who is not sure what ceremony, ceremony just looks like in general and kind of talk through what that could look like for us collectively right now? Does it? Well, in ceremony, you know, we are there to heal what's in the way of our highest potential. Either it's a plant medicine ceremony or it's a greater ceremony of all, which is life. That's a ceremony. So we're all in ceremony anyway. You know, we're born into ceremony. That's what we hear. Um, and in that space, everything is welcome. We welcome everything. So if I want to purge, I'm going to purge. <laughs> if I want to scream, I'm going to scream. If I want to stay still, I can stay still. If I start judging others, I need to ju judge others. If I feel triggered by something, I only feel triggered. So it's a space of where we hold everything that is alive in everybody there. That we recognize that there's a huge diversity of experience despite we're all sitting in the same ceremony. I mean, as human beings, we all came on the same earth and yeah, we came with different privilege and in different parts. And so obviously we start our ceremony with not the same gift and with not the same opportunity. But at the end of the day, when it comes to human emotions, we are going to have to deal with the same ones. We are going to have to deal with separation, with anger, with confusion, with pain, with shadows, with shame, with all those things. And so the beautiful opportunity is using the others as a mirror for self. Like when someone is really good with anger, it tells us about anger. It's like a teacher. It's like, oh, wow, this is the way that this can go. But in the same way as someone is really good with compassion, wow, this person holds that prayer really well. What can I learn from that? And then we have this opportunity always to, how am I going to hold my space? How am I going to walk that prayer? What is God asking of me right now in this precise moment? Not in months, not tomorrow, but right now, what is the best way that I can serve the others, which is serving myself really at the end of the day and vice versa. So it's like this beautiful permanent mirroring. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we have this opportunity in ceremony to really do very deep work because here we have slowed down. We are at home, maybe alone, maybe with our families. You know, a lot of the distractions of the outside world is kind of gone. We cannot plan the future. We don't know what's coming next, which is typical in ceremony. You don't know how long it's going to go for. 
You don't know if it's going to be one more hour of hell or one more hell, one more hour of ecstasy with God. <laughs> and you kind of learn to just be in that space. Yeah. Is it six more hours left, you know, or is it the end? And sometimes you think it's been six hours and it's only been 30 minutes and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be a long one. You know, so this is exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. And it's learning really full surrender which is not what people think very often disconnected from action mm. and responsibility surrender is not just sitting there and waiting things to pass no it's being present so it's a very active act being required really being with our body with our breath with our sensation our emotions so very often people think of surrender very often say oh yeah you know i'm just surrendering and waiting there it can become very passive mm -hmm. you know but we want to be active in it but not in the way that we see being active not in the way of always constantly doing something and but so it's a way of being present present and that requires like in meditation you don't just sit there you're really present with yourself so there's a different energy there beautiful and so where, um, hmm, I'm not quite sure how I want to word this. I'm just thinking of when, when we have the arc of ceremony, yeah, and then we're yeah. coming like the down and like integrating back into the world. Can you speak a little bit of that as, again, as, as if we're all here in ceremony? What could that potentially look like? Well, usually we always come out of ceremony more tender mm -hmm. to some degree because we've touched some uncomfortable place in ourselves. Maybe we witnessed things around us that were made us very tender. Uh, it's always stay with us as an experience that we carry in our bodies that we have a feeling, a connection to. So even if the world were to go back to where it was, six months ago which i don't think it can and will because we are different we are being changed by the experience many will come back to the same life and many won't but all of us will have an experience of something different either even if it's fear like oh my god the world can collapse easily this is a house of cards you know we just blow one card and the whole thing's collapsed yeah. so whatever is left after there's always an integration time with ceremony, you know? Ceremony is over, but then you are in that space where you reflect back. And I think there's going to be a time for that. We're not in it yet. Yeah. Uh, but definitely also my feeling, at least, and that's just my personal kind of experience with this and also message that I'm receiving around that is this is just a preparation for a big shift happening on this earth. Yeah either because of climate or because of social uh, impact or all the things that are happening, this is a taste into what's working and what's not working. And we can really clearly see it. And then free choice. We have an opportunity to make the changes that are required for more resilient communities, more connectedness between human beings, or not making the choices of it. We can choose to go back to the old God of money 
mm-hmm. or the older God of spirit, the creator. Yeah. So we choose what we pray for. We choose who is our God. We choose who direct our life and how we direct our actions. But I think the discomfort that is creating right now is going to anyway create transformation because discomfort always creates and call for transformation and change. You know, when is the tipping point where as a global community on this planet, we start behaving, you know, a bit better with each other. Yeah. With all our relatives, with all our relations, the trees, the animals, the the plants, the waters. Uh, That's a question each and every one of us need to answer. You know, what am I going to do about it? That's always a question, by the way. God is only asking that. What are you going to do about it? You can scream your lungs out on Facebook about, you know, the president, you know, 5G, the virus, the Chinese, the Democrats, the Republicans. You can scream about anything you want. Yeah. But that's not the question. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What are you going to do? And that already calls us into accountability mm-hmm. and into our power. The beauty of it is that it's very empowering. When I scream for six months on Facebook about one thing that I'm really triggered about, I'm very disempowered. I think I have power because I have a voice, but I don't have a voice because I can't change anything. I'm not changing it by talking about it. I think here we are always called back to that question. What am I going to do about it? What can I do about it? And if I cannot do, you know, the wise wisdom is if I can't do anything about something, there's no point being angry about it. If I can't change it. Why is putting my energy there? Because I can put my energy in things that I can really change. You know? And then we are really empowered. We're not waiting for anybody to save us. You know? Not a new you know, president, not a new system, or all of that. We create the change. Because the system is not going to happen until we create it. So you talk about the space in between. We are in between stories here. We have an old stories that is dying. It's very clear. At least for me, it's very clear. And I know for many people it is. Me too. (laughs) Some people don't want the story to end. Yeah. And that's fine. Some people maybe want something different. But we haven't written yet the new stories. And we are in that place in between, which is very uncomfortable. When we don't have a narrative. The only people that have narratives really are elders from native communities because they have what's called prophecies, stories of creation, stories of destruction. So they have stories for this world we are in right now. So they have a narrative. But most of us, white people, Western people, people disconnected from nature-based practices, we maybe don't have a narrative. And it's really hard not having a narrative. Yeah. You know. Western world, yes. Yeah, it's like it's a blank page. Yeah. But the beauty of it is that first we have the narrative and the stories of our elders, of native elders, of tradition from all over the world, which have meanings, which have given meanings to the narrative into period that maybe feels very chaotic. Yeah. Chaos for them has meaning because there's a narrative around it. So we have that. And then we have blank pages. How do we write this new story together? How do we write this new narrative? And so the space in between is full of possibilities. And I think that's the beauty of it. 
And my feeling is that it's the ultimate space of God. Yeah. The space of not knowing at all. And yet everything is there. All possibilities are there. So, you know, it's not a space that's empty. It's full, you know, but not in the way we want it maybe or we hope for it. Yeah, we're wanting to control it in some way. And like you said, having this story already written, like, okay, let me just turn the page and I'll see. Yeah, what's next? Yeah. You know, and we are very much like that. You know, we want to be told what to do because that's how we've been raised. We went to school and our parents and all of that. So we kind of somehow think that we need to rely on an outside human being to tell us what to do. When in fact, we know what to do, especially if we come together, if we have the diversity of point of view, the diversity of skills, the diversity of experiences, then we can create something that is for everybody not just some, not just a few. And then I think we can create a beautiful story. Yeah. And I think what you're doing and what I'm also offering in my own way is that we're empowering people, finding their own voice and remembering that they do have this choice. Yes. And so can you speak to what you have been offering, um, not just in this time and space, I know you've been doing it prior, but um, kind of what is, what are you feeling your purpose is here? Right now. Oh, that's a big off. question. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, in the next minute. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, what are you feeling? You, you have been offering really beautiful ceremonies. I've gotten to participate in it. And is there, yeah, do you want to just speak to that a bit? Yeah, I, I think really my offering, you know, it's, it's very simple. For me, my offering, it's trying to walk my own life with as much authenticity as I can. Yeah. And see where it's misaligned and where I can align it better. And I think that invites others to do the same for themselves. So my offering, it's not like, hey, you should do that or here is a good technique. It's more trying to walk my talk. Yeah. You know, and if I walk my talk and I feel my talk creates more compassion, more connection, more embracing of differences, more inclusion, that's the life I want to live. That's what I mean by walking a good life. I want to walk a good life. That's my offering. My offering is a good life. But for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I believe those ways, those, those ancient ways we talked about, hold a lot of wisdom and a wisdom that is inclusive of everyone, that doesn't care about your color, about your gender, about your sexual preferences, about your political affiliations, about your nationality, you know, about your social uh, where do you come from? You know, do you have money or not? And because none of that is present in nature. Yeah. Nature doesn't have those discourse, those beliefs, those stories. And right now nature is thriving. Mm-hmm. What does it tell us? I mean, it's amazing. There's millions of species on earth. Only one is disrupted right now. <laughs> All the other one is thriving. What does it tell us about where the wisdom is? Yeah. About who knows? Who knows? You know, even if you don't believe in spirit or you don't believe in like, you know, nature can talk to us or things like that, you can just be just like very pragmatic and say, well, the forest knows how to take care of herself right now. The rain knows what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, 
The cardinal bird, I mean, it's just back right now for a week. And, you know, seeing those beautiful red birds in my garden, they're back. They knew how to, when to come back. Yeah. We didn't, they didn't have to have a calendar. They are nesting. They know how to do their nest. So when we see that, we know that we have that wisdom too, but we lost it. We forget about it. It's there in it. So really, I feel my whole offering is about helping people to remember. Yeah. I'm not here to help people learn anything new, but I'm to let them go of what they learn so they can remember that innate wisdom that is within us that always know what to do, always know what the right next step is. But how do we cultivate that? So I think all the offering, either it's ceremony or breath work or meditation, you know, or shamanic healing and all those things are about helping us to remember who we are. Yeah. Because until we know who we are, we are never going to be, you know, the right person out there. You know, we, we're acting and we're doing things and we're doing jobs and we're creating things, but without fully knowing who we are. So obviously what we're going to create is going to be off, <laughs> off yeah. what's needed for us, you know? So that's the beauty of right now, slowing down, being with ourselves, being in nature, you know, seeing the state of our relationships, seeing the state of the world, seeing the state of our connection to each other and inquiring about how do I participate in that? Who am I? What is God asking of me right now? Yeah. That's plenty of ground for beautiful ceremony work, you know, and, and creating that new story and creating that new paradigm. Yeah, that's so true. Well, we're, we're right now when we're talking, this is the week of Earth Day, but yes. we'll, probably, we'll be releasing this after Earth Day. But uh -huh. I want to just speak to, to Earth Day and, and also what you're, what you're doing to celebrate. Yes. I mean, Earth Day should be every day first, yes. you know. It is every day, but we just... It is Earth Day every it. day. We just celebrate, <laughs> like we put in the calendar, hey, we're going to celebrate you today, yeah, but exactly. we should celebrate the Earth every day. Yeah. So, you know, that's a very Western mind way of thinking, oh, we need a day for the Earth and a day for the women and a day yeah. for this, where it's every day, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we are, you know, one of the, I always tell people when they don't know what to do, I always say, well, just go plant something, go do some gardening. Even if you live in an apartment, put a plant and take care of it, grow a seed, plant a tree, because there's something really powerful uh, in that act of planting uh, and going back into the rhythm of nature. Because we are gardeners for our own hearts. We are gardeners for our own life. But the way we do it is that we plant a seed and then the day after we come back and we scream at it because it doesn't grow the way we want it. <laughs> That's the way we garden our own hearts. Yeah. We scream at the seeds that doesn't grow. Yeah. And we scream at the weeds that we don't like. <laughs> but when you garden, you know, you get a different wisdom. Things don't work that way. Yeah. You know, you kind of like, eh, maybe that weed, I need to work with it. I can't really eradicate it. It keeps coming back. And that plant takes a lot of time to grow and needs a lot of my attention. Oh, this one grown on its own. I don't need to put my attention on that. That's always there. So for Earth Day, you know, we are planting trees. Uh, every person that's coming to our events and joining, and we are going to plant a tree for each person. And so, you know, 
inviting people into that. We're doing a ceremony for Earth Day like we do for every full moon and new moon. And it happens to be new moon on Earth Day, on when, tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, so we're going to have a ceremony for that. But it's always, you know, to bring us back into connection to that wisdom. To the wisdom of the collective. The whole collective of nature. Because really all the teachings are there. You know, if we behave like the oak trees or the cardinal bird or the little weed in the garden, if we understand how that works, how that wisdom of this plant is, we have all the teaching we need for our lives. But can we humble ourselves enough to learn from the dandelion? Can we humble ourselves enough to learn from the bee, from the oak tree, from the river? Well, if we don't humble ourselves, we're going to be humbled. And that's what's happening. And so I think Earth Day, you know, on this celebration, we are realizing who is in charge. Mm -hmm. Where is the technology? the oldest technology of all. Where is the wisdom? Where are the teachers? Because she's showing us right now the earth. She knows. And she's humbling us. So we need to get on our knees a little bit, (laughs) bow down to creation, and learn from the dandelion (laughs) that is growing (laughs) right now in spring. That's why I'm mentioning dandelion. (laughs) Because there is so much wisdom there. And everybody can access it. You know, whatever your background, if you sit enough, a long, a long time with any part of creation, it's going to start speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to learn much more than in any workshops, any teachings of human beings out there. Because zoos don't have egos. The dandelion doesn't have ego. It doesn't have an agenda to teach you, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't really care. Yeah, I don't think he really cares if you listen or not. I think he enjoy it. Yeah, he probably enjoy that someone is listening. But he doesn't have ego. He doesn't have angry if you don't do it. He doesn't say, well, I'm not making a flower because nobody's listening to me. (laughs) No. So nature has no ego. It's not in the way of itself. We are in the way of ourselves. And so if we want to get out of the way, people will say, well, I need to get out of the way. You know, I, I really am stuck and... I don't know how to do that. We go to learn from those who know how to do that perfectly. And it's always in nature. Yeah. You know, it can be a mountain, a river, a forest, an animal, a plant. But they all are out of the way of themselves. They just completely thrive right now. Yeah. As they always do. And so quickly. Have you seen how quickly things repair? I mean, they say... You know, in the Ganges, in, in India, like the water are clean in two weeks almost, and they yeah. thought it would take years. And they can that, Yeah, we see yeah. some things are going to take a lot of time to repair, but we can see that nature has so much wisdom yeah. that it knows very... Once we stop bothering it, once we stop intervening yeah. and trying to change things and make it our own way, it flows back, it thrives, it creates, the waters are clear and the birds are back and... So, yeah, humble ourselves. That's what we need to do. More of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been joking because, but it's true. I've been saying how, you know, Mother Earth just really needed a break and just decided to give her children this pandemic so yeah. she could just rest and regenerate and, and yeah, humble us. Yeah, 
and she doesn't care about us more than about the trees if something doesn't work in nature it's eliminated that's how it works so we don't we need to stop singing we're singing on top we're singing the circle with all our relations yeah you know and so she's going to take care of all our relations yeah all our relations you know yeah that's what she's doing right now you're right she's thriving yeah she's on us home we're punished (laughs) but punished with love you know it's like an angry grandmother that really loves us and (laughs) asks us to go home and just think about what we've done but she loves us she cares you know yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i love it uh that's amazing so um what are you offering in terms of uh virtual ceremonies um so that people can follow you and um connect with you so yeah so we do uh uh, shamanic ceremonies with uh the nature cycle uh so full moon and new moon and you know events that happen and we have a monthly uh a community gathering uh shamanic wisdom for the months uh so earlier every month early may early june uh we gather and we look at what's happening in nature in that moment and how can we use that like i was explaining how can we use that wisdom for our own transformation for our own path because the more we align ourselves with nature the more we're going to flow mm-hmm. the more we're going to heal so we have this monthly gathering it's called shamanic communion uh we have a weekly meditation with nature with the elements with the directions so it's kind of a mix between a shamanic journey and a meditation i really love it it's really a space that for me is like always it's like the dream space you know the space of like we can really get our imagination going and it's it's very joyful and uh yeah it's a different type of meditation we have our weekly breathwork ceremonies uh where here it's you know about really deep healing of the body and bypassing the thinking mind to go right into the archive of the body and release trauma and release whatever is stuck there and then you know we regularly so we had a spirit animal workshop this past sunday and so regularly every couple of weeks i try to do uh bring a different part of that wisdom into something so i have a couple in my mind that are not yet on the calendar uh but i'm preparing a big class on rituals okay. uh that's going to be a seven week class you know every week for seven weeks really how do we bring rituals in our life because our life should be a ritual our life is a ceremony so everything we do in our life should have some concept of ritual and in time where the world is really moving a lot shaking a lot changing a lot our rituals really are way to have something consistent that hold ground for us as the world move a lot around Uh, so i'm planning to release that ritual class and, you know, a couple of other things are coming about, uh, yeah, nature wisdom connection with our own wisdom. So what are we learning from that pandemic? What is the virus or this situation is teaching us? What is God asking of me right now? How do I deal with that? With that big question. It's a hard question, simple and hard at the same time. But it's a core of human transformation. What is being asked of me right now? So we are having some offering crafted at the moment, which are really going to support people in that, you know, giving them tools and processes and ceremonies and prayers and things that they can do 
to inquire with heart. Yeah. You know, inquire with heart. And maybe I should do a class about, you know, uh, about what can I learn from the dandelion? <laughs> <laughs> that could be an interesting class, you know, what does yeah. the dandelion has to teach me? to that class. <laughs> yes, yes. Just see you and dandelion on the screen. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I hope that we can collaborate. I, I, sent, I planted that seed a little yes. bit ago in messages, so we can. I would love that. that. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Always more wisdom when we come together. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, where can people find you? Because there's a lot that's that's already here, but then also, like you said, you're going to release soon. But where can they just go and find all this information? Yeah, the best is to sign up to our newsletter because that's where I release usually. Uh, so to go on our website on the sanctuaryheal.com. So t h e sanctuaryheal h e l dot com. And I'll put that in. We have a calendar of events and our retreats are there. But if people sign up for the newsletter, you know, they don't have to read all of them. But every time we have something new coming up, we just send an email and say, hey, we have this workshop coming up. We have these new offerings. Uh, yeah. And people can also, you know, reach out for one-on-one. -on -one. I do a lot of work with people individually if they want to go really deep or really they're working with something that is very sticky and yeah. feel they, it's hard to move. So we can then create something uh, that can really help them. Okay. How has that been going um, virtually for you and for them? Pretty well. You know, a part, a part of my practice and my offering is in person, but a lot of the shamanic work and nature-based practices can be done remotely. It doesn't really matter if we're next to each other. Energies don't care about time or space. Yeah. So there's a lot we can do remotely. Uh, I enjoy being with someone and doing work together. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's kind of still work pretty well. I'm interested by that. It's yeah, it's still yeah. really working as powerfully, I feel. That's good. Yeah, it was interesting. I didn't do a whole lot virtually prior to this. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, every once in a while I would do something um, with, a, a, with a private client, but shifting everything over to like Zoom world, <laughs> has been really a gift. I was, I've been pleasantly surprised still having these, these very deep connections like this interview and the classes and experiencing it as, you know, in like in breath work, receiving it as well as. Yeah, I love it. I think it's yeah. with people from all over the world. I mean, you know, each, each connection we have, breath work with people from Asia, Africa, Europe, and people with different cultures and new faces that we've never met before. It's yeah. really beautiful in many ways, you know, until we can meet all together in one place. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate. Thank um, you. Together. Yeah. I really do. And um, we'll, I'll definitely put more of your information in the show notes. But I thank you, Angel. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah.